I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 223. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I heard a song on the radio this week that really got me thinking. And it's not a new song. In fact, in our fast-paced world, a song released in 2010 may even be categorized as an old song. However, Chris Tomlin's song, I Lift My Hands, caused me to consider our posture, both our physical posture and the posture of our hearts as we approach God in worship and prayer. But before we dive into scripture, let's listen. I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. It is always my desire that what I share with you each week comes from a real place, a, a, a deep place, a sincere place. We're in a world where shallow thoughts abound. You know, our most profound thoughts need to fit in 240 characters or less. And we're somehow drawn in by the photo of the guy on the mountaintop at sunset with his hands raised to the sky. But we are unwilling to put in the work to really wrestle with truth. And this song actually came from a deep place, a raw place, a broken place. And sometimes I completely ignore the story behind the song because what I really want for you to do is to seek God through your own interaction with Scripture. And I want you to stop treating the revelation that God has given to others as your only source. I want you to desire the deep understanding of truth for yourself. There's nothing that can compare to your own aha moments. However, I highly encourage you this week to listen to the sermon by Louis Giglio titled, I Lift My Hands. This song was inspired out of a frightening, painful season, and he and Matt Marr and our co-writers on the song, along with Chris Tomlin. And here's the fun thing. If you listened to last week's episode and took on the challenge of spending some time in Second Chronicles, this sermon will absolutely leap out at you. And if you don't choose to invest the time in God's word, you'll still understand the sermon, but it won't be as meaningful. And there's actually a lesson to be learned here. And there's a bit of a progression that I see as it relates to these types of things. And here's what I mean. This week, I was reading a book where the author indicated a religious religious group rejecting pure Pelagianism. All right. It was a capitalized word, so context clues said 
to me that that was either a proper noun or related to a proper noun. And lucky for me, I was reading on my Kindle app, so all I had to do was tap on the word for the definition to come up, and it indeed was related to a proper noun. In fact, Pelagius was an Irish monk who denied the doctrines of original sin and defended innate human goodness. Ah, okay, so now I sort of see what the author is trying to say when he says this this group rejected pure Pelagianism. And going on a little further, I read that Pelagianism is the belief that original sin did not taint human nature, that we are capable of choosing good without God's intervention. And Pelagianism has come to be identified with the view that human beings can earn salvation by their own efforts, all of which, by the way, is not a biblical concept and is probably why Pelagius' beliefs were condemned as heretical as early as AD 418. So why do I tell you all this? Not so that you can be impressed that now we all know what Pelagianism is, and obviously I didn't know what it was because I had to tap on the word, but now I can read this paragraph in my book again, and I have a deeper understanding of the point that the author was trying to make. Now, to be fair, I could have probably skipped over the definition and still understood what the author was trying to say because he said it in a couple of different ways, but it it actually served me well to dig a little deeper, and now I kind of learned something I didn't know before. Referencing the progression that I mentioned earlier, I can I see that I can either skip over the parts I don't understand. So that's like phase one and just hope that context clues and additional information kind of gets me the overall idea of where the author is going or the speaker is going or whatever. Um, or I can dig a little deeper and, and see by reading a definition like I did here, to gain a little understanding and start to get context and understanding. And then as I move along in my progression, however, there's this wonderful benefit of reading the original texts. Now, I have not read anything by Pelagius. I don't know where to even go to find it. Um, but when, if I did, if I ran, read some of his speeches, if I read some of his sermons, if I read some of the books that talked about what he was teaching, then when I run across references to it, or an author like this one, or a speaker or a teacher refers to it, now my understanding is deeper and the connection is more penetrating. I have another example of this. Um, I've learned somewhere along the way that if someone accuses me of acting like Pollyanna about something, that perhaps I'm naively looking on the bright side and ignoring the more somber details of the situation. The thing is, somewhere along the way, I understood this from more of a cultural definition because I had never read the book or seen the movie, but I kind of knew what it meant because I guess somewhere along the way, I had absorbed the definition, right? Like we had talked about me tapping on, double tapping on the word and learning about Pelagianism. But when my youngest was in fourth grade, she was assigned Pollyanna to read in literature and I went ahead and read it with her. It's a wonderful classic that I recommend to anyone. And now that I've read it, I have a richer understanding of the character and how Pollyanna responded to the world around her and why she is now used (laughs) as um, kind of uh, an adjective of of sorts. So now, uh, not only can I understand the reference without looking it up, I don't have to double tap Pollyanna because I... I already understood the cultural definition, but now when I see it, I have this thorough understanding that makes that reference come alive. I get it. I get it better than you guys get it if you've never read Pollyanna and just understand the definition. Do you see what I mean? So you can go from no connection whatsoever 
to a cursory understanding of the definition to an extensive understanding by investing in the original text. All right, let's tie the final bow on this point. You can pull up the show notes from this episode, michellekneesat.com forward slash 223. And you can click on the link to Louis Giglio's sermon and you can listen to it as is. It's a really good one. It's got these wonderful personal references that you will absolutely benefit from. But his personal references and his connections that he makes are based on a deep understanding of a spiritual truth revealed in Second Chronicles. All right, so if you've never read or listened to Second Chronicles for yourselves, you are going to depend upon your cursory understanding of what happened based on either reading it once a long time ago or just limited exposure to the story. Now, in this case, you'll get away with it because Louie's going to tell the story in the sermon, kind of bring you up to speed, much like I do on the podcast every week. But the real treasure is when you have read it for yourself. You've interacted with it. You've studied it. You've talked about it with a friend. And now you hear this sermon and the rich penetrating, thorough understanding that you already brought to the table lights up like fireworks when he even first mentions the story because you know exactly where he's going with it and his aha becomes your aha as God reveals a weighty truth that may just change the way you think and ultimately the way you live. This happens week in and week out, okay? This opportunity is here. Is that devotion that you've read that pierced your soul less meaningful because you've never taken the time to read the reference in context? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's less meaningful. Is that sermon that you heard on Sunday that stepped on your toes and caused you to squirm less impactful because you don't follow up with, with personal study and interaction? Yes, my friend. It is less meaningful. And I know that this might be a hard statement, right? I'm not coming from a place of perfection. Trust me on this one. I cannot tell you the number of times or the number of seasons I've gone through where I'm running on spiritual fumes. I've studied and interacted with God's word for years of my life. And especially now with my great habits producing this podcast each week, um, it, it has completely changed my walk. But to be frank, it is absolutely less meaningful and less nutritious when you let other people spoon feed you blended foods and you never learn how to assemble and digest the meal yourself. All right, that's my sermon for the week. (laughs) I want it to inspire you, not discourage you. And each week, actually, on the podcast, I give you tools to get better at taking on this scripture thing for yourself. I call them Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, or BITES for short. And this week, I've kept it simple. The BITES are consider a topic, read in context, make some observations, And I've already mentioned refer to an outside resource in the sermon that I will link to at michellekneesat.com forward slash 223. In fact, you can get uh, my top five bites in a one-page resource just by simply subscribing to my website. So I encourage you to just head over to michellekneesat.com to do that. And our song this week uh, refers to a posture of the body that leads to a posture of the heart. And so what does it mean to lift up your hands? Well, 
I suppose it depends on the circumstances. If I'm at a basketball game in the stands, I might raise both hands and wiggle my spirit fingers in silent support and hope that my team will will make a basket from the free throw line. Whereas if I'm a player on the court and I lift my hands, I might be doing that to block or I might be doing that to show that I'm open right? If I'm at an LSU Tigers football game and an amazing play unfolds before me, I might leap into the air and raise both hands in victory. Or if I'm a ref on the field, I raise both hands to indicate a touchdown, something us Tiger fans are fond of. If I'm a toddler and I raise my hands, I want to be picked up. I put my hands out when I want a hug from my girls. I even grew up in a worship tradition where raising of hands indicates surrender or adoration, which, by the way, is reflected in Scripture. There are many references to the lifting of hands in Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and many of them are found in the Psalms as a posture of worship. And this week, I would like for us to soak in Psalm 28. And you'll figure out why as I read the first two verses. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. You do, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. First of all, let's break down these two verses a bit. Let's use the bite of making observations. Who is David calling on? The Lord. (laughs) Says, to you, Lord, I call. Now, it's been brought to my attention this week by the Holy Spirit that sometimes I don't actually call on the Lord. I might think about my dire circumstances. I will talk about my dire circumstances. I will seek godly counsel about my dire circumstances. I will read the word, seeking a word for my dire circumstances. But sometimes, can I venture to admit this? I don't actually call on the Lord. I don't specifically focus in and ask for him to answer. Now, there are times when I do, right, over and over and nothing seems to happen. You know what I'm talking about. Those times when well-meaning friends say, well, have you prayed about this? And I'm like, of course I've prayed about this. But as I've already admitted, it's not a bad question. Let yourself be honest and admit when you haven't actually called on the Lord. All right. So it says, to you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. Our song says, God is our refuge and strength, both truths that are reflected here in this name of God, rock, my rock. And depending upon where you live in the world, this may bring a different picture to mind than others. I grew up in the Rocky Mountains, so my view of rock is very different than my kids who think that the decorative boulder we brought in from Arkansas is a rock, okay? No, God is our rock, our legitimate strong place that cannot be hoisted or broken. And like our song says, our refuge and strength. And I love what David says here. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. We know God hears us. He listens to us and knows us. We know it in our knower, but our feeler feels as though our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Like maybe God is checking Facebook and not really listening. So hear my cry for mercy is what David says. As I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. What is David asking for? Besides that God would hear his request, what is his request? It's a cry for help and a cry for mercy. 
Why in the world do we make it so difficult when we pray to God? I I was talking to a friend this week who made a statement I've made before, but I guess hearing it from her mouth, it just struck me. She said, there's nothing left for me to do. All I can do is pray. Now, remember this. I'm not criticizing her. I've said it before. (laughs) But this thinking is so flawed. When I've said it, when she said it, when you say it, it's flawed. When we think that way, all we can do is pray. Like it's some sort of second-rate solution to ask the God of the universe who called all things into being and continues to hold the world together to help. All we can do is pray. So David does it. He actually calls on God. He uses the name of God in his prayer that is probably more for him to remember than God. And he asks for mercy and for help. And then he says, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. As I lift up my hands, David's heart is postured in worship, and now his body is postured in worship and surrender as well. As you picture David here, what do you see? All right, when I'm looking at these words and I'm picturing him, the word toward, it says, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Toward, I, was, I observed that David is below and God is above. I can't help but picture his hands and his face lifted toward heaven. I'm reminded of the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Humans thought that they could reach heaven by coming together and building a tower. Of course, their goal was not to get closer to God. It was to make a name for themselves. But my favorite verse in this story is verse 5. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. (laughs) The Lord came down. He is above and we are below. No matter how tall that tower seemed, it was still below where God was. And it will serve us well to remember that. When we lift our hands, we are reflecting that truth in our posture. I am below and you are above. He is higher. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. His authority is higher. His value and worth are higher. I could go on and on and on. He is higher. When I lift up my hands, I am acknowledging this truth through my physical posture. Perhaps then the posture of my heart will follow as well. Then David, if you continue to read in this psalm, he goes on to discuss the wicked, those who do not acknowledge God or care for his ways. But I can't wrap up without reading the end of this psalm. It says, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. As David lifted his hands and his face in a posture of worship, 
His spirit was lifted as well. You can see it. You can hear it in this praise for him. He moved from looking at the wicked from his own dire circumstances to fixing his gaze on God, calling on him for help, and then recounting his amazing characteristics and acknowledging the very thing he asked for, for him to hear him. He hears him. For He heard my cry for mercy. He asked for help. He acknowledges he helps me. I love this. My heart leaps for joy and with my song, I praise him we can we can use this song to lift our song and praise him there's so much here i wish that we weren't out of time to be honest but you're not out of time my friend you can sit and stay here for a while we've only spoken of one posture by the way remember the bite of considering a topic what about the verses that speak of kneeling or bowing standing or lying prostrate our hands raised or our hands spread out, not to mention dancing and shouting and clapping. You can use this song or this idea, this topic as a springboard to explore scripture on your own. So what's next? We'll read Psalm 28. Make some observations as you read. I always find it helpful to write down my observations. Don't just consider the two verses that we focused in on. Read the whole psalm. And consider exploring other postures of worship mentioned in God's word. When you do that, make sure you read about them in context and go ahead and make some observations along the way. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, michellekneezat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, TheOverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast, but more importantly, pointing them to God's Word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes, so I encourage you to check them out at TheOverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Maria from somewhere in the U.S., Kelly from Connecticut, Kim from California, Charlene from Alberta, Canada, Fred from Michigan, Stephanie from Oregon, and Ira from the Philippines. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a really great place to start. And then subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. And you get an email recap of the week's episode. And you get instant access to any of these other resources that I create for my podcast from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, there are so many ways to listen to the podcast. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern and always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And as always, you can subscribe in iTunes. And if you do that while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Joy by For King and Country to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 223. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.